Hi, Filmatics. Welcome to the show. Today, we have an amazing guest for you. We have Charles Morris Jr., and he's the VP of Acquisitions and Development for Global Genesis Group. They are a TV and film production company and a worldwide distribution company. And they have seven new feature films coming out and their latest film, Blossom, just wrapped. So let's welcome Charles Morris Jr. to the show, who is also an executive producer and screenwriter on, let's let's get him on the show and find out what he's been up to. Hi, Charles, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. Go film addicts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a big title for you. You do so many things and you work with an amazing company. So um, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I do I, do a lot of things, yes. Yeah. Um, can you tell um, our audience, our lovely audience, uh, where I'm recording with you today? Um, well, I'm in uh, Glendale, California. Uh, so right outside of Los Angeles. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I was born and raised in Southern California. So I'm one of the uh, only you know natives here <laughs> especially natives in the film industry where everyone seems to have come from somebody someplace else than than the the greater los angeles area so uh but as i said i was born and raised out here and and so it was an easy uh easy transition to to move into la and start working in the industry Oh, great. So, so you're actually an original Los Angeles. So did you grow up in LA, LA or? Uh, Ontario, I mean, Ontario, California, which is about 45 minutes east of uh, downtown Los Angeles. So, you know, in the scheme of things, it's all greater Los Angeles, but, uh, uh, but not, you know, officially LA, officially LA County, but, you know, I've been, I've been, I went to film school at USC, and and so uh, from my young twenties, I've I've been in Los Angeles. Yes. Oh wow! So um, when you were growing up in Ontario, did you have some favorite films as a child that you loved to watch? I mean, film was always important. Uh, you know, I grew up at a at a time where, you know, my mom would drop us off at the theater on Saturday um, and, you know, they would have, uh, I mean, they would have programs for kids and such where, I mean, you could watch three movies and, and so, yes, growing up, we were in the theater a lot. Um, uh, you know, when I was a teenager uh, and, and my father, uh, you know, one of my, I have three younger sisters and, and one of them wanted to get into acting. And so, you know, we all became extras, and so I didn't do it that much. I was a, I was an extra for Chips, uh, I think, and like one or two other uh, movies. But but they worked a lot. I mean, my sisters were the, uh, aliens in Close Encounters. <laughs> one of my sisters was um, in the classroom of Mask. Uh, you know, with Rocky Rocky Dennis or you know Eric Stoltz's character. Um, and so there was always kind of a connection to movies. Uh, uh, and then uh, one of my good high school friends, his father was Mario Gallo. And Mario Gallo was was one of the co-stars of Raging Bull. 
he was also in King Kong with Jeff Bridges. But, you know, Raging Bull was, was I mean, it's one of my favorite movies, but he's uh, De Niro's corner man in that. And so, you know, to have, uh, to have somebody that was actually working in, I mean, I mean, Raging Bull's an iconic movie and, and to, to know somebody that was actually uh, one of the co-stars and, and, and there growing up, it, I mean, you didn't think about the, I don't know, when you're a teenager, you don't think about that kind of stuff. But looking back on it now, I could say, wow, that was, that was a pretty big brush with, um, you know, cinematic history in a sense, because it's, I mean, Raging Bull was voted the top movie in, I think by the American Film Institute, top movie in the 1980s. Um, yeah, and also uh, Raging Bull is also one of your favorite Criterion movies. I love that. Yeah, you know, and it's it's. I always remember. I mean, it's as a as a filmmaker, as somebody who loves cinema. Uh, if you think about it, Jake LaMotta is not a nice character. I mean, he's he he batters his wife. He you know, almost kills his his brother uh, uh, with a beatdown. And, and they still, I mean, Scorsese and they still make him somewhat of a sympathetic character. And so, you know, that is the magic of film is that you could, you could make this, this guy who was not a necessarily a good person or a nice person, um, uh, seem bigger than life and, and, and seem seem amazing and 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 in reality he probably wasn't he i mean he was a good fighter but he wasn't a good person um despicable and, and, me right kind of just i just feel like I, it's like <laughs> but that's a comedy that that killed show but yeah yeah and that's true I mean, but, yes, it's a, but that's that's the that's the power of movie making is that um filmmakers in a sense and i don't want to make it seem like over uh, dramatic, but filmmakers have a responsibility, and it's like you can't. It's how you approach these things. I mean, I mean, Blossom was just also about battered women and um, and and trying to help people that seem to need help, and that uh, and that people get caught up in it, and and we're all not necessarily what our Public, public public persona is that that people can be manipulating you people can be evil people can have ulterior motives and and i mean usual suspects i mean these are the kind of things that you know i remember sitting in the theater and watching angel heart and and uh, when when mickey rourke is in that elevator going down to hell it was just like wow you know we cared about this guy the whole movie that uh, this guy was investigating these murders and and he's going through such a tough time and and you're invested in his character and and all of a sudden uh, alan parker says hey um he's the actual killer and it's just like okay so they totally the filmmakers I mean, they got, they get, they get you, they, they, they trick you, but it's for an effect. And it, it, and the effect is that we're not always what we seem. And, 
and so these are the things we can do in cinema and and of course at the bottom line it's is for entertainment i i don't think uh um you know movies like uh angel heart i, 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 I mean you got the devil and you got, i mean that's it doesn't have a great social message but it's it's entertainment good versus evil but yeah i'm going back to raging bull like um it has a beautiful quote in there do you want to um because you you love well, that quote right well i love that quote and that's that's something that um uh, you, uh, you know without going into the whole quote uh, i mean it, it's uh you know the the, it's in the New Testament, and it's basically the the about the blind man that Jesus touched, and 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 the Pharisees are questioning him about what happened and who was this man that that, and the blind man basically says, "I don't know. All I know is I was blind, and now I can see." And you you know, for for people that go through journeys in life. For people that uh, that make changes, that I mean, you could apply that to a lot of things, uh, and and so it's a beautiful quote, and and it's 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 great to have your eyes open, and it's great to be able to see, and it's it, and some people do go through life blind, um, but yes, I mean that always. I mean, that that tag at the end of the movie always stuck with me, yes. And, and sometimes we don't, once we see it, we're like, oh, wow, now I wish I didn't, you know, maybe it was a blind, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. I know now why they have that quote out there as well. But I love how you we, you were talking and um, like you said, um, it, I love the slow motion boxing as like you're, you um, went to USC film school. And from a directing standpoint, how they did the slow motion and with the film and the light and the shadow, like you said, they take this monster of a man, they try to re redeem him, make him bigger than life. But, um, you know, the character is the one behind its own demise. Like you said, I love that so much, how you broke that down. And well, I mean, if you think about it, because it's the opening title sequence, it's the opening title sequence. And you have, I mean, and my pronunciation is always poor, but um, you have the beautiful, the classic uh, song, the Cavalleria Rusticana, um, and you know the sym symphony music playing that song, and it's it's they have the smoke, uh, they have the slow motion, they have the sweat, and it's 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 like a ballet. It's beautiful, and and so they're they're setting you up to say this is a violent sport of course it's boxing there's blood there's violence people die in the boxing ring but there's also beauty in it and there's there's beauty if you look at it if you take you know and that's why they slow this down it's in slow motion it's like take a moment and and look at this this man just box you know shadow boxing across the ring and and I mean, there, there's beauty in life. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's how you portray it. Yeah. And I'm excited about your film. You spoken a little bit about your film Blossom. That's the film you just wrapped up and it's going to debut on uh, BET in January. So we do look forward to that. Yeah. And... BET plus. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so we've done, um, 
we had a movie, uh, The Business of Christmas 2. It was a sequel um, that was on BT Plus in, in December of, of 2021. Then we had Unfinished with Nori Victoria and Omar Gooding. Uh, that was on BT Plus in uh, no, uh, March of this year. And it debuted at number one and stayed number one uh, for a week. and then moved to number two on, on the whole platform. Congratulations. And, well, thanks. And <laughs> and that's what got us uh, to do Blossom. I mean, we were going to do Blossom with uh, private investors and and uh, BT Plus was very happy with us. And they said, you know, we like the thrillers you guys are doing. Uh, do you have anything else in the pipeline? We said, we're just about to shoot something. And we sent them the script and they loved it. And they had some casting suggestions. I mean, we have, again, we have Nori Victoria, who uh, was the lead of Unfinished. She's the lead in Blossom. Uh, Blue Kimball, uh, who is on a Tyler Perry show, uh, well, it's on BT Plus. I think it's a Tyler Perry show, Ruthless. Um, uh, Cynthia Bailey from um, The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Uh, Al Sapienza, who's a great character actor. I mean, he was in uh, House of Cards. I mean, he's he's probably known as uh, the best from The Sopranos. He played Mikey P. Um, and so Al is amazing. He's a friend of ours. Um, and then Madison Bullock played the, the title character, Blossom. Um, and she's she's a really amazing actress. So so we got a great team, and and we just wrapped it. And we've already seen a, a director's cut. It's a pretty 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 good movie. We're very very happy with it. Yeah, and then um, you know, I always ask about like um film shots, and uh, do you have any favorite film shots that you want to go over? Because you went to film school. Do you want to tell us about like um? how your film school and how you apply that to films well so when i i applied to usc film school and and um you know i always thought i was just a screenwriter and i'm gonna write and then i'm gonna write novels and and uh and then i've i've, I've been in uh my my one of my bosses, uh, you know, I've known for 30 years. It was right after uh, USD Film School. I had a friend connect us, um, and and so we've been uh, writing together. And and about 10 years ago, they came to me and and said, uh, uh, you know, we're forming this company, Global Genesis Group. Do you want to be uh, our head of acquisitions, our head of development? And 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 I said, sure. And so. You know, we're going to be a distribution company and a production company. And so for someone that always came from a screenwriting background, and, and I had done a short stint uh, as a head of development for, for another company that, that went under. Um, but I had never thought I would be in this position. You know, I mean, development is a complete different, I mean, not development, but distribution is a complete different animal than production but it's a necessary i mean it's a necessary evil and nobody likes distribution companies because everyone thinks uh, you know the the fifty thousand dollar movie they made is going to make ten million dollars and and um it's just not the reality i mean people still want to see 
Brad Pitt in your fifty thousand dollar movie, and 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 that's not going to happen. So uh, it's hard, um, but it's a very interesting to. to I I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but um, to get to 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 come up as a a, a screenwriter and then to become a, an executive with a company that deals not only in production. And so um, there's so many, of course, there's so many things to know on the production side beyond just being able to write a script. Um, I mean, so there's that aspect. And there's also once the movie's done and trying to get it distributed and talking to buyers and talking to, to broadcasters and to platforms and what they're looking for. and um and it's i mean it's i mean that can be frustrating too because sometimes you have the beautiful festival winning movie um but it doesn't have the talent and it's 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 hard to sell because it, you know, the people that go to movie festivals the people that like festival movies aren't your mainstream audience i mean you know people sitting in the middle of the country that just want to watch a good steven seagal movie you know, oh, my so. mom is with you there. She's the Italian that watches all of his movies. I'm like, I go, Mom, you're watching his movies? Yeah, yeah. And Jason Stratham. And, and I'm like, I, I go, he's only done so many. So let me find somebody else. And, and then I'll find somebody so, else. And she wants yeah. Jason. <laughs> so, that is, so, so that is the sweet spot that you have to find is that, yes, it's a business. And so, um, you know, somebody could come to us and say, hey, you know, I have half the money raised for this, you know, intense drama about and not to get political right now, but just because it's a hot button topic. Hey, I got this intense drama about abortion, um, but we don't have talent attached or somebody comes to us and says, hey, you know, we got half the financing for this uh, action thriller. All of a sudden it's like, well, we know we can place a high quality action thriller but you know the abortion drama is going to it's going to be a harder sell and it's going to be something that's difficult to you know get buyers behind and i'm just you know i'm just talking in generalities and so that's why sometimes you have to go for those jason statham kind of projects because i mean this is a business and and we make movies because we can make movies that we can sell and we get our investors money back and then people want to work with us again and they bring more money. So, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta get into the system and the system is making movies that can be placed, not just on Amazon. So it's VOD. I mean, you gotta, you gotta sell that license to a Hulu or a Netflix or a, or a Hallmark or a Lifetime or a, uh, you know, a BT or a BT plus. I, I mean, those are the, those are the parameters that we go into this. I mean, when we get scripts, it's like, great, it's a great script, but, but who, who would be interested in picking this up? Yeah. And so I remember um, being part of independent film festival and I would love like um, Billy Elliot, like just some, I just remember all those movies that just like smashed out of the independent box with like this new talent. And it was just so breathtaking. And I would watch all those movies, like I think Calendar Girls, and they just, I remember there was just like a, 
a slur of these independent films that just broke the records. I think even like Mar my Mariel's Wedding and all that kind of stuff. But but like you don't know until you see the finished product. Is that kind of sort of like if you have an independent well, film with independent I, I mean, you look at it. Like we go to all the markets, we go to the Cannes Film Festival, we go to the American film market because, I mean, part of my title is acquisitions. And so we are picking up completed movies. Plus we also have a post-production house and we're filmmakers. And so we could say, hey, uh, your completed movie that is at, you know, two hours and five minutes. I, I mean, it's not a Marvel movie. and so. Uh, right now, uh, people want movies more towards 90 minutes or 95 minutes or even 100 minutes instead of an, uh, uh, 125 minutes. And so uh, can we give you some notes? Can we talk about uh, you know, cutting some, some, some fat to get it down to that thing, that area where we could sell? And, and so it's a process and it's a process with indie films because everybody's making indie films now. I mean, you could make an indie film for $10,000, $20,000, uh, a feature film. And sometimes they're really good, you know, but again, that doesn't mean you have the talent that you can sell it. And so, yes, the Billy Elliot's in, of the world, uh, I mean, get out into the world, but there's hundreds of Billy Elliot's out there that nobody knows about and, and sometimes even struggle to get distribution. And, and so people make beautiful movies that sit on people's shelves and, and nobody sees them because it's a difficult process. You have to hit all the buttons. You have to, you have to make a good movie. It, I mean, the production value has to be uh, high quality because people watch a lot of content these days. And so you can't have bad sound, you can't have bad performance. And that's the most frustrating thing as, as a, as a distributor. I mean, as a, as a producer, I, I, I mean, we take a lot of time casting because even the person that says one line has to come in and deliver that line and not be an amateur. But uh, I mean, I see people that spend, uh, you know, a million or 1.5 million and, and, and some actors are bad and it just takes you out of it. And it, it, these are the little things that are going to prevent a sale. I mean, you, you have to have high quality work all around because it's a very competitive business. And so if you're going to deliver something with bad sound or bad acting or bad camera work, it's 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 not going to work and you're not going to make your money back yeah so that's very uh that's interesting because i worked um with uh, renato uramco films he goes to berlin and cons film festival and i was scouting content for him too and he was so busy that i would find uh, a lot of the films that i would find are like these independent films like you said um maybe they had a sound issue or maybe they didn't have like that that's that's uh even though he said that it doesn't matter if they have like all the star names but the talent didn't need to be on point but the the sound need to be impeccable 
and um, I found uh, several films for him. Um, some of them I missed because by the time he got back from Berlin or Cannes, by the time he looked at it, they would get distribution. And But it's like, like you said, it's a meticulous process. It's time consuming and like it's ever changing, right? Especially in this, this kind of market right now after COVID, the market has changed again, right? Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, um, the market's always changing, but the funniest thing as a distribution company, I mean, during the first six months of COVID when nobody was producing everything, uh, everyone was saying, oh my God, uh, people must be starved for content. So you should be able to sell your library you know, the, the, the films that you already have for distribution. But the buyers and the broadcasters and platforms really didn't know what was going to happen with COVID and when people were going to be in production again. And so their budgets weren't really, I mean, they, they weren't fluid. Um, so it was one of those things that it was almost like the first six months, the, everything was, was stalled, everything, nobody was doing anything. But then we started, uh, you know, we started making movies and we ended up doing like seven during, I mean, and I'm including Blossom in that. I mean, um, because who knows, you know, is, is there an end date of COVID? <laughs> so, oh my gosh. You know, we, and then the new stuff is we, coming out. You're like, can we get a break in life? And it just is like, exactly. oh so, my gosh. So we made quite a few um you did seven uh, during covid wow that's like yes. super fantastic were you shooting locations like where were you shooting uh we we did uh we did one and we, we did the business of christmas two in richmond virginia uh, we did a movie called night of the falling stars in uh mississippi and uh, we did our lifetime movie uh you can never go home again that also shot in mississippi um, and then the last couple movies we've done have been in Los Angeles. Yeah. Los Angeles is a great place to shoot. I mean, you got the best, you got the best, uh, crews, uh, because you, you got people like in between studio movies that like us and work with us and they'll say, Hey, you know, I'll come work for three weeks or four weeks on a smaller movie while I'm waiting to get picked up on a, so you get you get high quality crew and of course the majority of actors around the world live in the la area and so people are driving to set and so you know especially with these the indie movies that are done on a budget um you know you're not flying people in you're not paying uh housing you're you're not paying transportation um, and so Los Angeles is always fun to shoot. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, um, we're going to, um, in part one here and ask that it's come back. Cause we want to go over some of your films directing, and we have so much more to talk about in learning about distribution, producing and post-production. You do it all. And, uh, so I'm going to ask our audience to come back for part two with Charles Morris. Can everybody want to do that? Yeah. Okay, so we'll see you back for part two. Um, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll be right back.